Roomba Bumba. A brand is all Roomba Bumba. <laughs> okay, go away. You're so blunt with your children. Okay, go away. <laughs> it's it's the nature of our relationship. <laughs> See, go away. I'm <laughs> get out. No, for real. Leave. Leave <laughs> or face doom. <laughs> So, yeah, the first episode on this topic, we talked three wrong approaches. Mm -hmm. The one, well, three flawed approaches. The first one's wrong. The other two were like real close. Mm -hmm. So the wrong is God changes through fear. God is gracious, but we talked about that for, uh, I think that was most of the episode. Then two flawed was uh, develop strict discipline as if your discipline causes change. Then three, we talked about relax and let God do it and how close that is because we want to trust God with it. And then so we talked about how does God really change people. So that's where we left off. Number one, God changes people who present themselves to him. What I love about it is it brings together the active and the passive. There's an active component. There's a passive component. I recognize that I am not the one who changes myself. God is the one who changes me. So I'm passive in that. I'm I'm receiving the benefits of his grace. The spirit of God is doing the transformation. And yet I actively present myself for transformation. The fact is some Christians will grow more than others because some Christians present themselves to God more consistently, more deliberately, more completely. Mm-hmm. So you could say, uh, you know, they're doing some of the work, I, you know, I guess we're still recognizing God is the one who does the transformation. And that's that's the really important thing. Exactly. So anyway, Dan, <laughs> Dan, it's been uh, it's been a little uh, it's been a long time since we uh, since we had an episode. Has it been long enough to call it a hiatus? Yeah, I, I almost you know we've been we've been calling shows uh, season one. We were never sure it would end the season, but we've been calling it season one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm almost tempted to say this is season. Although you know, like The Walking Dead will do a few episodes, and then you know, like. 17 years later, it comes back on the air. So yeah, it's a mid- that was just a mid-season hiatus. Mid-season hiatus. Yeah. That's all it is. But we do owe an apology to our faithful listeners. We got yelled at a lot. Yeah, we actually were assaulted. Yeah. And like, if you can yell by typing something on the computer, yeah, <laughs> that's what happened to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a couple... So we apologize. We, we, uh, we didn't mean to take a long break. It just happened. And we want, we want our listeners to know that we are committed do a frank discussion with Jan Jacobs. And we heard your inaudible screams. Yeah. Every day you would wait. Listen, he, friends, here's here's the good news. Our long national nightmare is over. The show is back. <laughs> We're back. We should take a, a picture of ourselves being back before you leave. Because I have a beard now. Oh, no, I had a beard because the sound of the beard one was recently. I have a weird beard. Like uh, a woman trying to grow a beard. <laughs> That's what my beard looks like. Show title. <laughs> like a woman trying to grow a beard. <laughs> That's happened. Yep. Yeah. That's what I got going on. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. My estrogen beard. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. It's a good one. Can only go up from here. Yeah, it can. But we are we are sorry. And a, a friend of mine who's well versed in podcast etiquette told me what to do next time. I probably should have done it after he told me to do it. <laughs> but he said, you know, drop a little episode that says, hey, we're taking a break. We'll be back. And that's it. Just put it in the feed. So mm-hmm. I did post things to that effect. But even then I said, like, we'll be back next week. And that was like three weeks ago. <laughs> Lesson learned. Hopefully we didn't lose our entire audience. Yeah. Well, we'll just call them both. Say, show's back. That's true. <laughs> two phone calls. 
<laughs> so done and done. Yeah. We're getting very close to making some exciting announcements. Mm-hmm. I mean, not technically about this show, but... But you can't do that to people. You can't say we're getting close to making exciting announcements. I do that all the time. You're a jerk. I don't <laughs> want people... You can't do that. Yeah. That's called teasing people. Yeah, but, well, I like, I like to think of it as building excitement. Yeah, or hatred. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, Dan. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. So how are you doing, Dan? Man, I'm sick. You, you've tired. You, yeah, yeah. We we both had a very long weekend. You were sick all weekend. Yeah, my whole family's sick. Oh, that's the worst. Congestion. How how awesome is it to take care of a sick baby when you're sick and your wife is sick and your other child is sick? Yeah, you just said it all. Yeah, it's the worst it's thing. Pretty miserable. Yeah, but hey, it happens. It happens. Yeah. So, mm. Sochi Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We're up all night. <laughs> We're up all night. People have no idea what you're referencing. I hope not. I hope not. For their yeah. sake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, those pictures of hotel rooms and double toilets. Yeah. Terrifying. It's terrifying. It's the scariest thing in the world. Yep. This is a frank discussion with Jan Jacobs, a weekly conversation about the Christian life with Frank Delala and me, Dan Jacobs. So I get a voicemail from a close family friend uh-huh. telling me about how she wanted to call my cell phone mm-hmm. and she happened to not have my number. So she asked her husband for my number. He gives her a number of a guy named Dan. She calls Dan up. Dan being me, but it's not me. And so the guy picks up the phone and she says, hey, it's me. And he goes, uh, hi, uh, Who? And just to give you a little background, um, this person and I, the way we show affection to each other is we tell each other that we hate each other. Mm-hmm. And so she, on the phone, she's it's very, it's very healthy relationship. It's fine. Just, just like growing up. It's fine. So uh, <laughs> don't worry about it. Just like mama used to do. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes, come on, Dan, <clears throat> it's me. I hate you. I hate you so much. <laughs> and there's a silence on the other end of the phone. Mm-hmm. And she realizes that, wait, something's wrong here. So she says, uh, what's your wife's name? And Dan says, Rebecca. <laughs> and she goes, oh my gosh, what did I do? <laughs> so she gives the phone to her husband and he has to like explain, explain to this guy. <laughs> it happens to be their landscaper or something <laughs> named Dan. <laughs> So she's totally freaking out. Uh, Feels like a jerk because she's told some stranger that she oh, hates them so that's much. Fantastic. Yeah, I enjoyed that. <laughs> How did he respond? Uh, well, he, you know, once he it was explained to him what happened, oh, he was, really he was hysterical, laughing, and thought it was really funny. It's awesome. Yeah, I love it. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Where were so we? yeah, after our hiatus, mm-hmm. our unintended hiatus, uh, we're gonna finish. Our three-part series on how God changes people. So you can go to episode, uh, go to frankdiscussion.me and it's episodes 13, 14, and now this is episode 15. What? It's kind of, it's it's cool that we have 15 episodes, but my other show, Fast Bible Teacher, 
isn't as old as this podcast, but because it's five days a week, I'm up to like episode 45 or something like that. So <laughs> like saying fair. episode 15 is like only 15 episodes. We've been doing this so long, you know, yeah. but it's because those episodes just rack up, you know, only a few weeks and you're into 2030. It's like cheating. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> awesome though. But anyway, so yeah, we're sorry to keep everybody waiting, but uh, yeah. So, so we left off talking about how God really changes people. We're going to wrap this up today. We've got two more points to make about how God changes people. And uh, so if you you can listen to all three of them, it it actually covers a lot of ground. So, So we left off the first one, the first positive one, because we looked at some negative ones. I I cut it off on my page here. I got to fix it. Oh, no, there it is. So we we wanted to discover how does God really change people? The first one, God changes people who present themselves to him. We talked about the active and the passive uh, components of that. So number two, God changes our will and empowers us to work. And this is a huge thing in the Christian life that, uh, and in fact, in the way we communicate the gospel to people, you often have this idea, well, you know, I'd become a Christian, but I know I don't want to do Christian things, so I don't want to be a hypocrite. I think we talked about that in the first episode of this series, mm-hmm. uh, where what a person has to understand is that Christianity isn't an agreement to follow a list of rules. We're talking about an inward transformation of the will, mm-hmm. that God actually transforms who we are. He gives us new desires. And so while Christians struggle with sin uh, plenty, the fact is there's no such thing as a, a, a sinning Christian who's happy, mm-hmm. right? Sin loses all of its fun when you give your heart to Jesus. Yep. <laughs> there's just this sort of torture associated with it. Uh, and that's a result of the spirit of God being present within us. Now we can harden our hearts against God and grow cold and pull away from him and stuff like that. All, all that's true it's a topic for an, another day. But, <clears throat> but in terms of, uh, you know, being a Christian who is enjoying a life of sin, nobody likes it because, because God changes our will. And, uh, Great passage that explains this, Philippians uh, 2, 12 through 13, Apostle Paul writing to the Philippian church, he says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So four quick things in this passage. Uh, First off, two things that tend to distract the reader, which are actually really, really helpful. He says, work out your salvation. That's not work for your salvation as if you earned it, but work it out. Uh, the work out the implications of what Christ has done for us and what Christ is doing in us. So here, mm-hmm. God has done something tremendous in your life mm-hmm. uh, through Christ's cross, through faith in him, through the spirit of God taking up residence within you. You need to work out the implications of that. You need to realize you've been given uh, a tremendous inheritance and new identity in Jesus. Now you need to work out what that looks like uh, for you, what that looks like in your life, in your circumstances, and really meditate on what, what God has accomplished for you through his son on the cross and what that's going to mean for, uh, for your own transformation and new life in him. And then he says, do it with fear and trembling. And the way I always describe the uh, impact of those verses is this, we've been given a priceless gift and an incredible opportunity God has embraced us and is now working in us. The idea of wasting it should make us shake. That's the idea. It's, you know, my illust- the way I like to illustrate that is, you know, someone gives you a uh, million dollars, 
right? Now, to to many of us, a million dollars sounds like a whole lot of money, but we also know you can blow through that pretty quickly, right? Now, if someone gives you a million dollars and someone just feels like, this is all the money I'll ever need, I'm going to spend it, (laughs) right? Get a new house and a new car and I'm just Mm going to live off of it. Uh, It doesn't last that long depending on, you know. Especially in New York. Yes, I was going to say, depending on where you live, right? Uh, But if someone treats it with fear and trembling, they could turn that into a whole lot more. Right, they could do something really special with that. Mm-hmm. So, if anybody would like to give me a million dollars, I have some ideas <laughs> that I'd like to share with you. Um, here's my business plan. <laughs> so, so this is the first part. But what we want to focus on, what we're interested in, is this last part where he says, "For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure." So, to will and to work are the two things we want to talk about. Uh, to will, God changes our affections and gives us a new gives us new desires. Mm-hmm. That's what we mean by will. You have a new will. You have a new set of desires and affections that God has placed in you through the work of the Holy Spirit. And that changes everything. Because we're not talking, when we talk about obeying Jesus, doing what he's called us to do, we're not talking about doing something contrary to our desire. I mean, in a certain sense, yeah, we all have sinful desires. We would all like to be our own masters instead of bowing to King Jesus. That, that's a fact of the human heart. But Paul makes the point here that when you work out your salvation, you're doing it as a person that has had their will impacted by the internal working of God's Spirit. So you're not you're not just doing it on your own. You're not just trying to make something out of nothing. God has has uh, put something in your heart that actually moves you to want to obey God, mm-hmm. and uh, we see that in Ezekiel's new te- new covenant prophecy. We see that in Jeremiah's new covenant prophecy. That what God is doing, He's putting a new heart in us. He's putting a new spirit in us. Those are the words that Ezekiel uses, and and he he says in that what is it Ezekiel thirty six something that He's going to move you to obey God's commands. It's not just call you, but move you to. And that's a huge difference. That's, that's a lot different than just commanding. Mm-hmm. Moving someone to do something, as we, we all know, if, if we're told to do something, all right, you know, if we have respect for the person telling us, maybe we'll do it. But if you're moved to do something, mm-hmm. that's a whole other world. And we know that, you know, people who do great things in the world tend to have that ability to move people and motivate people to do things. Mm-hmm. Well, we're being told in the Bible that through Christ's cross in, in, uh, uh, in establishing the new covenant, God is, is creating a set of circumstances that the human heart will be moved to obey God, not merely commanded to obey God. So that, that's something powerful that Paul's picking up on here, that, that God's in you and therefore he's, he's, he's impacting your will. He's giving you a new set of desires to do something. Now, here's the thing. Merely having the desire does not mean having the ability. I talked a minute ago, I joked about wanting a million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, desire, the desire to invest a million dollars does not give me the ability to invest a million dollars, okay? Uh, but the rest of the verse, Paul says, it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, this little thing to work, God gives us the power to obey. God being in us to work speaks of him empowering us to obey him. And that word to work, it's the Greek word that we get our English word energy or energize from. So it's it's a little hard to translate. I, I, I would, maybe this is just bad, cheesy translation, but I, I'd almost like to say God's in you to will and to energize you for his good pleasure, you know, like empower you. Mm-hmm. That, that's in effect what it means, that, that God's not only giving you new desires, but through the Spirit of God, He's giving you new abilities. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about 
the transformation of the Christian person. You know, you've come to Jesus, you've, 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 you've accepted the idea that you're a sinner and you need Jesus, and now you have this new desire to be like him. And the gospel is telling us, not only do you have a desire to be like him, not only do you have new freedom because you've been forgiven and, and set free from sins and sleeping power, but you have new abilities to obey him. That's a huge, it, and it's, it's essential that we understand that as believers, mm-hmm. that um, we're not just being driven, we're being motivated and empowered. And that's a powerful idea. So finally... <laughs> We come to the uh, uh, third one here. Oh, and look, right there in my notes, I have the text. It's Ezekiel 36. Hmm. <laughs> I'm like, what, what's the message? Right? I, I always do this. Um, I, I always doubt my, my past self. So I'll be reading like some notes and I'll think, oh, yeah, and I'll try to quote something from memory and I'll mangle it. And then I'll look at my notes and like the next paragraph is a big quote of that thing. You know, I tend to. I, I always think the me of like a month ago was a total idiot. Which is <laughs> probably good assumption Believe to go in. Believe yourself, Frank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the passage I was thinking of is Ezekiel 36. Uh, God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. This is verse 25. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Mm-hmm. So very powerful. Now, there, there is a key to that, though. Paul, Paul says, work out your salvation because God is in you to will and to work. Right? The fear and trembling there is the thing that you've been given is God within giving you a new will and giving you new abilities. Therefore, work it out with fear and trembling. That's the connection there. That's the, the flow of thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's really important. So you're not just saying, okay, I have a new will and a new abilities. Let's just go with this. Like we said from the uh, point one, which we talked about in the last episode uh, from Romans 12, there's the active and the passive. In this case, the passive is... God's giving me new desires. God's giving me ability. The active, our part in that is that we would work out our salvation. We'd be thoughtful about it. We'd be intentional about it. We'd be intense about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we treat it as a great gift that we've been given that we need to make the most out of. So finally, we come to this last one. God does it for our joy and his glory. Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it's impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So we're actually supposed to believe not only that God exists, but that he's a rewarder of those who seek him, which means this, I am actually motivated to obey God. We, we said it, the, the first one, two episodes ago, the first one, we're not motivated by fear. What are we motivated by? Reward that God actually rewards people who seek him. Now we know that there is reward in seeking him and then he rewards us for seeking him. So just being in relationship with God is the ultimate reward of being in relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, we're, we're also promised that he's going to bless us and reward us for following him, for serving him. Another passage from Hebrews, Hebrews eleven twenty four through 26. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Hmm. 
So he had a value system set up in his mind about what he was going to pursue and what he was going to get out of it. And that motivated his actions. He said, there's, there's passing pleasures of sin here, but there's, it, there's present and eternal rewards to be found in seeking and obeying God. And then here's the real thing with that. Um, you know, some people will feel shy about seeking to do something for reward from God, because for various reasons I won't get into now, it's been beat into their heads that they're not supposed to look at what God's going to do for them. You're supposed to do something just because it's right, just because it's your duty. They're afraid to think God will bless me and reward me if I do the right thing. Well, here's how I would put it. You don't want to disappoint Jesus. So you should pursue a life that is filled with his joy because Jesus said this. He said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So it's actually God's will that by abiding in the vine, that's from John 15, where he talks about abiding in the vine, how he's the vine where the branches will bear much, much fruit and the father will be glorified if we abide in the vine. He wants us to be filled with his joy. He wants uh, our joy to be full. So that's his desire. That's what he wants for us. And if, if we're not, uh, pursuing that, if we're not embracing that, we're actually not fulfilling the will of Jesus. He wants us to be filled with his joy. Mm-hmm. It goes beyond logical thinking. Like the whole supernatural change of our desires and our will, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's crazy. It doesn't make any sense to us because mm-hmm. it's not a logical thing. It's beyond that. It's beyond logic. Better. It's better and it's beyond. It's a better deal. Yeah, way better. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I mean, you've heard me say this before that... Um, I've probably said this in episode one of this little series here, but um, that the gospel isn't hard to understand. It's not complicated, but it's counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. It's a better deal than people think it is. You're being offered something much more generous, much more gracious. It's the kind of thing where you would turn and say, well, you know, that, that can't be right. This is, this is not what I've heard about the Christian gospel. What I've heard is, you know, I need to become a pillar saint and mm-hmm. suffer and, you know, and, and of course there's suffering in the Christian life. That, and our culture tells us that nothing's for free. That there's always a catch. There's mm-hmm. always strings attached. Yeah. So it's like too good to be true. Yeah. And, and what we're saying is not that there's no suffering in following Jesus. We're called to take up our cross and follow him. But it's worth it. Exactly. That it's, there are treasures and pleasures to be found in following and serving Jesus that far outweigh anything else that you'll find anywhere. Mm-hmm. And the, the transformation um, of becoming like Christ is not something that you do in your own strength. It's something that God does in you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that happens most effectively when we're presenting ourselves to him to be transformed. There it is. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> not a word. Yeah. <laughs>